0: For Kennesaw, Georgia, where I'm going to be, and it's supposed to be about 98, 99, and a million percent humidity. Uh, So, you guys are going to have some nice weather this upcoming week. Tomorrow morning, I'm headed to Georgia. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, But, uh, Brother Fisher's right. We're going to turn to, I'd like to take a look at the pastoral epistles. Uh, And here's my reason why Uh, Paul wrote a couple of letters. One to Timothy, well, two to Timothy, and one to Titus, Uh, and he was telling them these two gentlemen what it looks like to be a good Christian in the church, and specifically how to be a good Christian leader in the church. And I think that's something that we would do well to study. Uh, There's a lot of folks who are pretty confused about what a good, what are the qualifications, and what is what is a good leader look like in the church. Uh, Quite frankly, a lot of our church groups are being led by uh, people who really aren't very good leaders. And I think we could do better. So I'd like to turn to uh, 1 Timothy here this morning, uh, and we're just going to look at the introduction. Uh, As is typical with Paul's letters, or actually, for that matter, any letter that we've seen Uh, in the New Testament. There's a little introductory part, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the first two verses of 1 Timothy. Uh, I'll read them right now, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll get to looking at it. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you for the beautiful, clear day. Nice rain last night, washed there. A nice breeze, it's just a beautiful day. We thank you for it. You are a gracious God. You don't have to give us such beauty, and yet you do. It's an honor to serve you. I'm always amazed that around this world there's different groups of people who are lifting up your name. You're not a local God. You're a you're an everywhere God. It's an honor to serve you. Help us to praise your name and lift lift your name up here today in a manner that's worthy. Guide us through your word. Show us how we can be more like you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So we just uh, read these uh, 1 Timothy 1, 1 and 2. And when you first glance at that, Paul's introduction to 1 Timothy seems pretty generic and pretty bland, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing that really leaps out at you. Especially if you compare it to, say, the introduction to Titus, if you want to do that. You take a look later on this afternoon, take a look at the, Paul's introduction in Titus. We'll look at some of it in a minute. Uh, that's really long, and it's filled with all kinds of rich theological statements, doctrinal statements, in, a, in an introduction. Uh, with 1 Timothy, we really don't get that. Uh, for that matter, even Second Timothy has a beautiful piece about the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus. We don't really get that in First Timothy. By comparison, 1 Timothy seems kind of flat, the introduction. Uh, But the truth is, the truth is that uh, Paul's introduction to 1 Timothy is longer than eight of his other introductions to letters that Paul's written. Just a few statistical facts for you. It's actually the exact same length as his introduction to the book of Colossians. Uh, And another fact is, Paul only uses long introductions in three of his letters. Galatians, Titus, and Romans. Romans he spent a very long time. The the introduction to Titus is the longest of them all, by the way. We'll get to that. Uh, But as short as this introduction is today, I think you're going to see by the end of this morning that there's a lot contained in this very brief section. Uh, Let's read it again, the whole thing. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, by commandment of, our, of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Right off the bat, we see... Paul uses the same pattern we've seen so many times. It was a you know, typical pattern of letter writing in those days. Very typical for his era. He states his name. This is Paul. Paul that's writing this letter. And I'm writing it to you, Timothy. Uh, so this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to one individual. Kind of like what we saw in, when we were looking at uh, 3 John. Same sort of concept. Uh, one person to one person. And as we said when we were going through 3 John, we don't have this sort of thing very many times in the Bible. We don't really have too many outside of the Bible in other historical documents either. Uh, So he gives himself a little brief greeting as well as a blessing. Uh, In verse 3 next time, we're going to see Paul go straight into the advice that he wants to give to young Timothy. Timothy's a relatively young man. Paul doesn't waste a lot of time with introduction. Paul and Timothy know each other, and they know each other very well. We'll see that more as we go through this morning. He doesn't need to introduce himself. He doesn't need to describe himself or anything like that to Timothy. Timothy knows who Paul is. And so, like I say, in verse 3, we're going to see him jump right into his advice. But in this introduction... Paul is just doing a general formality that would have been very common practice for writing in a, a personal letter, a one-person-to-another-person letter. Uh, by the way, uh, I, I keep mentioning in Paul's day, this would be just about A.D. 62, just about 62 A.D. So this is before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. That happened in 70 A.D. Now, as we're going to see when we break into verse 2, There was a very close personal relationship between Paul and Timothy. Very close personal relationship. In fact, Paul calls him, My own son in the faith. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But in spite of that relationship, Paul writes verse 1 in a very official tone. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, Even though Paul calls Timothy, My own son in the faith, he still says, I'm writing as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Using that kind of language, Paul's making it very clear. He's writing not just as Timothy's buddy, which he is, not just as Timothy's spiritual father, as you might say. He's writing in the capacity of one of the very few Christians in the early church with very specific leadership credentials. A very special task, to be an apostle. As an apostle, Paul was an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. Paul saw the resurrected Christ. We saw evidence of this uh, when you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Let's take a look at that right now, because it has some bearing on Timothy. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Paul's making a description here. People are accusing Paul of not having the credentials to do what he's doing in Corinth. He says, "Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye not my, are not ye my work in the Lord?" One of the credentials that he was claiming was, "I have seen the risen Christ." That's who's talking to you, Timothy. He was also one of those who was chosen and specifically sent by God to play a very special role in the growth of the early church. As I say, there weren't many apostles. Uh, we see that, actually. Let's, let's look over to Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 1. When Paul's also describing this. When we sometimes bandy about the word apostle, but we don't really think about what that meant as a position of authority. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him up from the dead. Skip down to verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though if it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Paul isn't an apostle because somebody said, Paul, you can be an apostle. Jesus Christ himself declared Paul an apostle. Now, Paul also demonstrated the marks of being a true apostle. I mean, it's one thing to, yes, yes, Jesus told me that I can be an apostle. Uh, it's one th- I could claim that right now. And there are people in this world and in Christian churches today who claim that, believe it or not. Uh, Paul could make that claim, except that Paul showed the marks of being a true apostle. Let's look over to 2 Corinthians. Building a little background on who this Paul the Apostle guy is. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Paul's doing a little bit of bragging, just again, to the Corinthian people and showing them that I am who I say I am. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. As we read through the book of Acts, we see several times when Paul was showing these miracles. These are the marks that designated somebody as a genuine apostle. One thing these people that claim to be apostles in the church today. I don't see a whole lot of miracles, really, genuine miracles happening. If you're going to make that claim, I hope you can back it up. It's quite a claim to make. And Paul is one, and he's got the evidence to back it up. So Paul says he's an apostle by the commandment of God. By the commandment of God. That's an interesting term. And when he words it this way, Paul's making it clear, not only was I not appointed by men, I'm not even a self-appointed apostle. I didn't just declare that I'm an apostle. I was commanded to be an apostle by God himself. His authority as an apostle comes by the will of God himself. God took the initiative in making Paul an apostle. Paul didn't just fall into the job. Oh, well, uh, somebody died and... Paul took the job, N- nothing like that. He didn't just it didn't just fall in his lap or he got lucky or something. Now, notice here also Paul says an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our savior. God our savior. Usually we see Jesus called our savior, don't we? Not God. Paul says God is our Savior. Now, what gives? Why do you suppose he would say that? No takers. Well, Paul's making sure that Timothy understands that Jesus stands on equal authority with God the Father himself. We usually see Jesus called our Savior. This time we see God called our Savior. Paul's pointing out to Timothy, God the Father and Jesus are one. It's equal. That's the reason he's using the word. Now, uh, you see, no matter what some people who call themselves Christians might say, we who are believers know that there is only one God and that he has revealed himself to mankind through the person of Jesus Christ. There are other groups, Mormons come to mind, Jehovah's Witnesses come to mind, that'll tell you, otherwise jesus jesus is great but he's not god you'll hear that it's very alive and well we know better and paul declares that right here god is our savior on an equal level with jesus as our savior and paul's making sure timothy knows that don't let any of these gnostic heresies slip into bible truth Now, right here in the opening verse, we're still not done with verse 1. Right here in the opening verse, Paul is telling Timothy that they serve something far greater than themselves. They serve a God who has revealed himself as the Savior to the world. And this world largely rejects him, doesn't it? Even today. It did in Paul's day. It does today. Nothing really has changed. Folks have been folks for thousands of years. Nobody's really changed. People's attitudes haven't really changed. God revealed himself as Savior to this world, even though this world is, by and large, going to reject him. He is our hope, Paul says. Did you see that? Which is our hope. See, the opposition around Timothy might very well cause him to fall into hopelessness. We'll see that as we get through. There were a lot of things that would have discouraged Timothy. And actually, as we go through the book, Timothy seems to have already been pretty discouraged. And Paul's trying to cheer him up. There were a lot of discouraging things going on. Did you know sometimes there's discouraging things in the world? Sometimes you might find yourself a little discouraged. Don't be hopeless. We've got a hope. You know who that hope is? Jesus Christ and God. That's right. Don't be hopeless like this world around us. This world is hopeless. We've got a hope. We're going to see Paul uh, speak of hope to Titus as well. Titus seems to be in the same boat with Timothy. He was discouraged but I don't want to steal my own thunder. We'll get there when we get there. Timothy has a tough task ahead. Timothy has a very tough task ahead. He was trying to lead a church at Ephesus, uh, which we'll see in verse 3 next time when we get there. And Paul's trying to encourage Timothy in the face of this difficult task. Put put yourself in Timothy's shoes for a minute. Here's Timothy, uh, relatively recently saved, and trying to lead a church. How do you know how to lead a church? Nobody's ever, I mean, I, I can do what I'm doing right now because I've got 2,000 years of history to look, well, I, I see what people have done leading churches in the past. I've got Paul's advice to Timothy and Titus. Uh, Timothy's out on his own, and he's trying to lead a congregation. How do we do this? This is a whole new thing. Timothy, did, he had a tough row to plow. He's breaking ground. Nobody's ever done this before, and Paul's trying to help him out. Timothy's getting discouraged as he goes along, and Paul's trying to help him out. Hey, remember, Timothy, we've got hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. I'll read verse 2 again, and we'll get to breaking that down now. We're done with number 1. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace Mercy and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, Paul calls Timothy, my own son in the faith. Now that word translated own in the King James very literally means genuine or true. My genuine son, my true son. Uh, and Paul uses very similar language. Let's look at a couple other places where uh, Paul uses the same sort of terminology. Philippians chapter 4. Oops, I just, just went right by it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Same term there. True yoke fellow. This time they translated it true. It's the same term. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also... And with my other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. uh, Let's turn over. I told you we were going to go to Paul's introduction to Titus and look a little bit at it. We're not going to steal my thunder completely. We're going to go to Titus 1, verse 4. Paul says, To Titus, my own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace, From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Very similar term, isn't it? Paul uses for Titus. My own son after the common faith. Now, you may recall when we went through the book of Acts years and years and years ago, uh, that Paul was influential in Timothy coming to Christ in his own hometown. Timothy's from the town of Lystra. That's another thing to bear in mind. As, let's think about Timothy here. I wasn't going to bring this up, but I, it comes to mind right now. I just finished saying, and we'll see next time, Timothy is trying to lead a church in Ephesus, right? Ephesus is not his hometown. His hometown is Lystra. Paul led him to the Lord. Let's, let's look at that. Uh, Acts chapter 14. So it's not like Timothy is a hometown boy, uh, local. He's moved. Uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 6, we'll start with and then we'll skip down to verse 21. They were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. All right, so that's where we are. Skip down to verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel in that city, and they taught many, they returned again to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. So they've been preaching in the general vicinity. Uh, verse 16, uh, verses 1 and 2. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, that's our guy, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. So Timothy is from Lystra. So, and uh, Paul was instrumental in leading him to the Lord. Paul's certainly a father figure to young Timothy. Now, uh, if you look to, I'm not going to right now, if you look to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2, you'll see Paul calls Timothy our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. He calls him his brother. See, Paul's not only Timothy's spiritual father, he's also his spiritual brother as well. And that's kind of a unique circumstance, and we can share in that ourselves. If you've led someone to Christ, you might be that person's spiritual father or spiritual mother. But at the same time, you're also their spiritual brother and sister as you grow together. It's interesting. Now... Paul calls Timothy his true child, his own son, in the faith. In the faith, that's where I want to focus right now. That's just like what we just saw in uh, Titus 1 and 4. So this is a common theme that Paul uses. And when he writes this way, Paul's telling Timothy, and he's telling Titus, we'll get there, that there's a body of belief which makes up this Christian faith that we have. I just finished telling you that it's relatively easy, Sounds wor- it doesn't sound right, it's relatively easy to be a church leader with 2,000 years of history behind. I can look back, see what other people have done, because we've got this body of belief, this faith that we have, that we share in. I can look at other people who have exhibited this, same. what does this faith look like? Well, here's what it looked like in this guy's life. Here's what it looked like in... Spurgeon. Here's what it looked like in Moody. Here's what it looked like in others. On down through the centuries. And this is what John was referring to. We saw this sort of language when we were going through the uh, books of John. When he talks about the apostles' teachings. You've hung on to the apostles' teachings. The same faith that inspired Paul to do what he was doing inspired other people down through the history And should be the same faith you and I are showing. See, we as true Christians stand on a set of theological truths which have been taught down through centuries of church history. Times may change. We're in different times than what folks 500, 1,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago go on down through. We got different times, but these core. Fundamental teachings do not change. Times may change. Our lifestyles may change. I'm going to get in an airplane tomorrow morning. Paul didn't ever think... But I bet, You know, don't you think in all his travels, instead of getting shipwrecked all the time, Paul would have liked to have been able to climb on an airplane? Yeah, I'm going to, today I'm going to leave Derby. I'm going to fly over to Lystra. I'm going to take care of this. We'll preach. For, can you imagine how much Paul could have got done if he had an airplane? Times change, but the fundamental principles don't. We have the same faith, the same theological beliefs that Paul had. Paul and Timothy are like father and son, and as such they share a common faith in God and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope you and I share that too. And that faith is more than simply a mental conviction. I know I know what the truth is. I can look at the Bible and... I. It's more than a mental conviction. It's being guided by the principles of God's Word in such a way that your life is now arranged into fulfilling its demands. You know, the Bible demands some things. There's commands that were clearly given in here, there's lifestyles we're supposed to live. And I'm supposed to arrange my life so that that takes priority, aren't I? And aren't you? That's what we're supposed to do. Following in that common faith is doing that. Knowing that God's word says, I should do this, and then, well, I better start doing that. See, the Christian's will and the Christian's behavior should be transformed by the truth of God's word. We see that all through. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. It really reminds me of what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus was talking in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and he says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I'm saying? You, you don't do the things that I say. There's a lot of Christians that do just that today. They come to church. They proclaim, Lord, Lord. And yeah, Jesus, said, Jesus is my Lord. and you really don't see much of it. We'll see as we go through the uh, book of 1 Timothy that Paul has a lot more to say about what Timothy and his church should do than what they should think, what they should believe, or what they should confess. When we look through the book of 1 Timothy, Paul's talking all the time about here's what you should be doing I don't care what you say, I don't care what you preach, I don't care what you think, I don't care what you confess, I'm concerned, Timothy, with what you do. And I think that's very telling. It's pretty easy, relatively easy, to get up here and I can preach pretty well. I can come up here, I can preach a sermon, but do I do what that good book says? Do I open this up and actually live my life that way? That's a lot harder. And we see a lot of that in the world around us. That ought to be true of all of us, that we ought to we ought to be more concerned with what we're doing than with what we're confessing, with what we're believing, what we're thinking, what we're saying. Then Paul calls God's blessing on timothy he says grace mercy and peace from god our father and lord christ and jesus christ our lord grace mercy and peace very common words in christian circles aren't they we've all we've all heard about them we talk about them we mention them we don't often think about them grace talks about god's ongoing forgiveness his Ongoing forgiveness and His enabling power in our lives. Grace is that thing God gives us that allows us to live the Christian life. Mercy, that speaks of His sympathetic and His, his concern for the, uh, the troubles that we have in our lives. You know your life has troubles, and God's sympathetic to it. He's merciful to you. And peace speaks of a tranquility and a stability regardless of the circumstances that are around you. No matter what's going on, this is a tumultuous world. Do you have a peace through it all? I can't stop the world from being tumultuous. The world is going to be tumultuous, but I can be peaceful. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be riding the waves, but I'm going to have a stability. And I'm going to have a calm as I ride through those waves. I hope you have that. So when Paul's invoking these things, grace, mercy, and peace, into Timothy's life, he acknowledges that they all find their source in God the Father and in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see that? Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. And Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll wrap up. When we look at these verses 1 and 2 together, we see that God the Father and Jesus Christ are the center of Paul's thought and Paul's life. Do you see that? He mentioned them a couple of times in verse 1 and in verse 2. They were the focus. And we need to bear that in mind as we look at this book. As we go looking through 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and by the way, Titus also, God the Father and Jesus Christ are the focus. All three books. It's not a biography of Paul and Timothy and their interrelations. Some people have a tendency to look at it that way when they're teaching it through. It's a very easy thing to do when you're teaching these books. We need to be disciplined as we go through it to see that the focus is on the hope that we have through God and Jesus Christ. That's the focus. Because remember, Timothy's facing a a discouraging task, doing something nobody's ever done before, in a town that's not even his own town, with people he may not even know. It could be discouraging, but we've got a hope. We've got a peace. We've got mercy and grace from God the Father and Jesus Christ. See, this is a picture. Rather than a biography of Paul and Timothy, this is a picture of what a believer's life should look like when your entire being is focused on God the Father and Jesus Christ. It should look like Paul. It should look like Timothy. It should look like Titus. I'm hoping that when we come through on the other side, you and I are going to look more like that picture. See, in Philippians... I'm not going to turn. Don't turn there. Philippians 2, verse 9. Paul reminded us that Jesus' name is a name that's above every other name. And if we get that kind of focus in our lives, we'll begin to see and we'll begin living the life that Paul's describing here for Timothy and for Titus. It's a matter of focus, see? Brother Fisher, could you close in a word of prayer this morning?